Welcome to this edition of our At St. C's podcast. I'm Maria Hecker, Rector at St. Columbus Episcopal Church in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine. This is a self-guided reflection on the way of the cross. These are readings that accompany the illustrations that are in our posted PDF of the reflection on the way of the cross. It also matches the 14 stations of our way of the cross. You may hear the birds outside. I have my window open. It's a beautiful sunny spring day, 51 degrees. You hear seagulls and mallards and cardinals and robins and uh, some geese out there. Despite this time of the pandemic, all of creation is awakening and I think rejoicing in the quiet rejoicing in the in the slowing down of our society and civilization even as we mourn the illness the virus the sickness that is inflicting so many and frightening all who are losing their jobs what a better way for us to try and absorb it all than by reflecting on these readings of the way of the cross. We often listen to these in Lent and uh, during Holy Week, especially on Good Friday. But honestly, we're living in a in Holy Week. We're embodying it throughout these weeks and months. So I hope you can turn to these reflections more often when you are facing your own and carrying your own cross and seeking to find the way of love. So join with us now in reflecting on the way of the cross. This is our self-guided reflection on the way of the cross offered to you from St. Columbus Episcopal Church in Booth Bay Harbor, Maine. Our uh, congregation is committed to our mission to provide safe harbor in the name of Christ. This is the first station. Jesus is condemned to death. The crowd, incited by their leaders, kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate spoke to them, wishing to release him. Why, what evil has this man done? I find no crime in him deserving of death. They persisted with their cries, Crucify him! Crucify him! And they prevailed. We all stand under the sentence of death. But there is death that is not part of the natural process of life. There is death that is premeditated unnecessary, deliberate, violent, legal but unjust. Those in whom there is no guilt still die. Children are neglected and abused. Women are battered. The old are hidden away. The poor are deprived of basic human rights. Those diagnosed with AIDS are ostracized. The innocent are still condemned to death. We stand by our baptism as brothers and sisters of all those condemned by society. We stand as the friends of the persecuted and speak once again our commitment. We promise to live together in the freedom of the children of God, 
with all those condemned to death, but alive in God. The second station, Jesus takes up his cross. The soldiers had their sport in taunting him. Hail to the king of the Jews. They mocked him with the purple cloak and the crown of thorns. Then when their fun waned, they laid the hard dead wood on his shoulders. He accepted it willingly, perhaps eagerly. The widow bears her loneliness, her impoverishment alone. And the system of justice cares neither for the law of God nor the law of the land, but only for its own gain. Single parents, most often women, bear sole responsibility for raising and supporting their children. Widows struggle to survive with dignity, with few resources. Political refugees who face death in their native lands stumble across borders through foreign languages and cultures and are often denied asylum by the courts. Growing numbers of adolescents are denied an adequate education and face dead-end jobs and bleak futures. We as a nation place unbearable burdens on the shoulders of the poor. We speak again our baptismal commitment. We promise to live under no other sign of power than the sign of the cross. We reject Satan and all that hinders us from following Jesus in the way of the cross, in the way of love. We take up the burdens others carry. The third station, Jesus falls the first time. Tradition speaks of Jesus falling three times on his painful journey, exhausted and overcome by the oppressive burden he fell to the ground. St. Paul has spoken of the cross as being a stumbling block, as madness. But to those who are are, are called, is the Christ, the power and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. From 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We begin our journey as Christians, young, hopeful, naive, and we easily fall prey to society's tests, values, and culture. We are not watchful nor prayerful, attentive only to what we can hinder us in our lives of discipleship. We not only sleep and ignore what is happening around us, but sometimes actively participate in the injustice and violence surrounding us. We do not welcome strangers. We see the homeless and refugees as a threat to our security. We call the unemployed lazy. Words cut, destroy, lie, and hide the truth in our relationships. Divisions hinder our community life. Racism and nationalism tear us apart. Personal attacks of violence weaken our resolve. We fall and we rise again to to recommit ourselves to following Jesus. 
We promise to strive within ourselves and seek to be peacemakers in our daily lives, offering an alternative to the violence and destructiveness that is so much a part of our culture and our world. The fourth station, Jesus meets his mother, Mary. Again, tradition tells us of a meeting of mother and son on his way to execution. She was so much the center of the beginning of this redemptive mystery. She was with him for many of his preaching and healing adventures. She would stand beneath the cross at the end. Isn't it likely that the one who was the model of faith and solidarity would also take part in this last journey? From the beginning, Mary shared the lot of her child, including his call to prophecy, his rejection and sufferings. She loved what he loved, the place where the proud are overthrown in the conceit of their hearts, where the hungry are fed and the rich sent away empty, where the meek and the lowly live with dignity while the powerful are dethroned. She was pierced by the sword of truth so that the hearts of many might be revealed. In her solidarity with Jesus, who suffered the dispassionate gaze of strangers, she images all who stand in solidarity with those whose pain is public. Mary stands with the women who have illegitimate children, the ones who contract AIDS, the men and women marginalized because of their sexuality or their nationality, and she stands with all who befriend them. We stand together and commit ourselves to compassion, to openness, to accepting suffering in our lives rather than inflicting it. We pray to be faithful to the word of kindness and courtesy, to forgiveness and silent mutual love. We pray to have the courage to offer our support to those who struggle to live. The fifth station, Simon helps Jesus carry the cross. And they forced a certain passerby, Simon of Cyrene, coming in from the country to carry his cross behind him. That's in both Matthew 15 and Luke 23. Jesus had not enough strength to support his cross. His spirit was willing, but his flesh, our flesh, was weak. In a short while, the cross would embrace him. We are recruited to help Jesus bestow our bread on the hungry, satisfy the afflicted, and remove from our midst oppression, false accusations, and malicious speech. These works of justice and mercy, actions we don't often choose for ourselves, teach us most about loving others unselfishly and accepting our responsibilities to one another. We cannot pick and choose the people we love nor help. Everyone is worthy of our care. 
We stand together and recommit ourselves to persevering in nonviolence of tongue and heart and to living conscientiously and simply so that we do not deprive others of the means to live. We promise to steadfastly respond to the basic needs of justice and mercy and to living in solidarity with the victims of society's neglect and injustice. We promise to actively recruit others to work with us so that peace is a possibility for all. The sixth station, Veronica wipes the face of Jesus. Legend has it that while Christ was carrying his cross, a woman named Veronica, moved with pity, wiped the sweat and blood from his face with her veil. As a reward for her kindness, his image was left on the veil. Perhaps the rumors of a true image of Christ imprinted on cloth lay behind this legend. Does such a burial shroud still survive? The name Veronica means true image. We must recognize and respond to Jesus by embracing the lepers, those we shrink from today. Veronica soiled her veil by taking care of the bodily needs of those we find repulsive, those set apart from humanity and held up to public ridicule. She touched Jesus' body, his pain, and also became an outcast, an enemy. She learned the secret of God's lingering presence in the most despised among us. The cross drew all to itself, and she responded with compassion. Let us stand and recommit ourselves to the practice of charity, of doing for the least of our brothers and sisters what we desire to do for God. With Veronica, we promise to reach out and touch the pain of those dying and to accept them into our lives. We promise to be present to others in their pain, to be with them in their rejection, to welcome them and use our own resources to heal them, even if in this time of the pandemic, pandemic we can't touch them. The seventh station, Jesus falls the second time. We had all gone astray like sheep, each following his own way, but the Lord laid upon him the guilt of us all. That's from Isaiah 53. For our sake, God made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the goodness of God. That's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Laden with our sin, Jesus fell again. The violence of the system degrades, keeps down, rejects, and never forgets failure and weakness. So many in our society fall again and again under the burden. We have names and categories for them. Alcoholics, addicts, abusers. We do not see these people as individuals but as problems. Too often we refuse to admit the truth, the marginalized are victims of our educational, 
economic, and legal systems, scapegoats of racism, sexism, and intolerance. It's a miracle that the journey continues at all and that anyone gets up again. Let us recommit ourselves to nonviolence by refusing to retaliate in the face of persecution, provocation, and violence. We promise also to actively resist evil and injustice and work for justice and dignity of all. We remember that God's power in the world of Scripture is revealed in the works of our hands, in the call of the prophets, and in the transformation of our society. We commit ourselves to endure in this work. The Eighth Station Jesus meets the women of Jerusalem. Luke writes, Large numbers of people followed him, and women too, who moaned and lamented for him. But Jesus turned to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep rather for yourselves and for your children. For the day will surely come when people will say, Happy are those who are barren, the wombs that have never borne, the breasts that have never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, to the hills, cover us. For if men use the green wood like this, what will happen when it is dry? That's from Luke 23. Oscar Romero, the Archbishop of San Salvador, wept for all the people. His mourning embraced both the victims who disappeared and were murdered and those who pulled the triggers. Mara Clark, Ida Ford, Dorothy Cazell, and Jean Donovan wept over the refugees on the roads, the children in the camps, those orphaned by terrorism. The mothers of the Plaza de Mayo weep over those disappeared, cut off from the land of the living. There are the widows of war and children who were taught to be soldiers. There are the battered and bruised seeking justice all over the world, and there are those trapped by ignorance, greed, and security. Let us be still and weep in our own hearts. Let us weep for all those lost in our wars, in our conflicts of aggression, in our military maneuvers. Let us weep for all those who suffer because we aid and abet racial and national conflicts with arms, money, and supplies. May we recommit ourselves to penance, to mourning and weeping for our part in the violence of despair. We pray, O God, that your kingdom may come to the earth at last as it is in heaven. May your will be done among us as it was done by your prophet Jesus. We commit ourselves to a lifestyle of penance and prayer and reconciliation. The ninth station, Jesus falls for the third time. His strength totally failed him. 
tradition tells us that Jesus, utterly exhausted, fell for the third time. The world resists the truth and seeks to silence those who stand up against injustice. Torture, illegal imprisonment, racism, apartheid, denial of health care, all beat down and whip the bodies and spirits of those who struggle for the good of the people. Even the earth itself carries the scars and wounds of war, greed, and sin. The ground is radioactive, the water polluted, the air foul, the ozone destroyed, the ice melting, the water rising. All creation cries out for rescue, for salvation, for freedom, for a future that will make us vulnerable and open to reconciliation and peace. We pray by the grace of God to recommit ourselves to actively resist evil and work nonviolently to abolish war and the causes of war from our own hearts and from the face of the earth. Deliver us, O God, from evil and lead us not into the temptation of arrogance and annihilation and self-righteousness. Sustain us with your own steadfast obedience to the will of the Holy One. The Tenth Station, Jesus is Stripped of His Garments. This was the place of the skull, Golgotha, what was left of the condemned prisoner. His honor was shattered in the courtyard by the soldier's taunts. His strength was left behind in every step of the death march. Only his sense of modesty remained, and now that too is torn away with his clothing. His stained but seamless robe is still worth a soldier's bet. No one bet on his fate. That was certain. In baptism, we live and die in Christ. Our human bodies become a temple, a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. Now our bodies are not slaves to violence. Now our bodies are instruments for justice. We reconcile through the blood of the cross. With our bodies, we create a sacred space that brings life to a world torn by war and threatened with nuclear holocaust. We stand before you naked in body and soul, in need of mercy and forgiveness. We call ourselves your children. We dare to call on you as mother and father. Once again, we commit ourselves to disarming our hearts, to laying aside all that provokes violence, causes division, and demeans humanity. May we be stripped of anything that does not reveal your care and providence and glory in the world. The Eleventh Station Jesus is nailed to the cross. Jesus is nailed to the cross. The feet which carried the good news from town to town, 
the hands which so often were raised in praise and blessing, which often reached down to raise up the lowly, are now fixed in an everlasting embrace of all peoples of all times. Had he not said, Now has judgment come upon this world. Now will this world's prince be driven out. And I, once I am lifted up from earth, will draw all people to myself. That's in the book of John, chapter 12. The righteous forced the woman to stand there in front of everyone. This is a public trial, but when Jesus confronts the accusers with their sin, violence, and guilt, they drift away. Only those without sin are allowed to judge and condemn another to death. None of us fall into that category. None of us are permitted to take a person's life and use it to make a point. We are not allowed to condemn, only to exhort and call to conversion. The death penalty is not our right. O God, forgive us, for we know not what we do. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We vow this day to stop death, to stop executions, to stop denying people health care to outlaw the death penalty, to take down the crosses and stand against legally sanctioned murders. We follow you, the God of life. May we learn to stand with you and stand with you for abundant life. Hold us to our word, O God, who died a condemned criminal and innocent of the charges brought before him. The twelfth station, Jesus dies on the cross. Jesus was crucified with two criminals. Pilate had a sign posted saying, Jesus, the Nazarene, King of the Jews. The chief priests and the scribes and elders continued their mockery. Mary and the faithful women stood in silence. At last, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he expired. That's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23. It is done. It is finished. Is the life of Jesus finished? His teaching and preaching of the good news of the reign of justice and peace and freedom, is that finished? No. It is just the beginning. What is done and finished is the reign of the world, of destruction, violence, death, and sin. All that is done. All that is finished. Now the peace of Christ reigns making all those who were peacemakers know the truth. In being stretched between two enemies, we become reconcilers, transforming enmity into love, adversaries into friends. Peace comes in nonviolently, resisting injustice unto death itself. 
O God, into your hands we commend our lives. We give our spirits. May you accept the peace offering of Jesus and ourselves, his brothers and sisters. Your peace is always with us, even in suffering, even in struggle, and even especially in death. Your peace is our strength, our unity, our passion, and hope. Incarnate in us the peace of Christ and give us to the world. The 13th station, Jesus' body is removed from the cross. And when evening had come, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the Sanhedrins, arrived and boldly went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate released the corpse to Joseph, who bought a shroud and took Jesus down from the cross. How violently was he nailed to the cross? How tenderly did his friends remove him? Tradition, ever conscious of Mary's presence, has passed on the sight of the mother receiving her martyred son. Michelangelo's masterpiece, the Pieta, has fixed this scene of indescribable pathos. There are those who witness, who watch, who suffer the cross freely out of love, the prophets, the martyrs, the friends of the poor, the singers of truth, and the masses of believers who struggle to endure and be faithful. The body of Jesus is taken from the cross whenever the bodies of those who resist and suffer are tended with mercy. When their memory is kept, the advent of true justice and peace comes closer. All you saints of God, you whose love for life did not deter you from even death in your search for peace, you who have gone before us in faith, witnessing to life and speaking of peace, weaving shalom into our lives and dreams, give us the courage to follow in your footsteps, to walk with you to the cross and to the place of peace until justice comes and the world at last is at one. The 14th station, Jesus is buried in the tomb. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, the same one who had first come to Jesus at night, took the body and wrapped it in linen cloths with spices, a mixture of myrrh and aloes, following the Jewish burial custom. At the place where he had been crucified, there was a garden, and in this garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been buried. Since it was the Jewish day of preparation and the tomb was near at hand, they laid Jesus there. That's in the book of John 19. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, were there sitting opposite the tomb. That's written in Matthew chapter 27. The seed lies in the ground, buried We are buried with Christ and God at our baptism. We go down into death 
into the waters and lie buried. Now we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. The blood of martyrs is the seed of Christians. The cry of the poor is the hope of peace on earth. The cry of Jesus is the announcement of liberation and resurrection and reconciliation. The body of Jesus is now among us so that we might wash his feet, serve him at the table, and care for his needs in those most in those most destitute and poor. O God, be merciful to us, your children. You have called us and brought us to this hour. Grant to us the riches of your light and the strength to follow Christ with courageous hearts. Give to us the life of the Spirit, the Spirit we received in our baptism. Let us be signs of hope and peace in the world and give you glory by our lives. We ask this in the name of the Holy One and Undivided Trinity. Amen.